You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. see everyone in the house of the Lord. We welcome all of our guests this morning that are here in God's house. We're glad you're with us at Mission Point, whether you're in person, watching or listening online. We thank you for joining us at Mission Point this morning, and uh, we're grateful that you are with us. Amen. Today is a special day. This is Mother's Day, and um, so we want to congratulate all the mothers And wish you a a very happy Mother's Day. And uh, there is no role in life that is more essential than that of motherhood. Doesn't matter what else uh, that you look at. Besides your walk with God, there is nothing going to be greater than motherhood. And so I thank all the mothers this morning for what you do. And uh, I called my mom this morning. I call my mom fairly often anyway. But I called her this morning, and I thank the Lord for my mother. She's a very hard worker, and uh, she's been a very faithful companion to my father. And, of course, anyone who knows the situation with my dad, it's going to be 34 years that he's been paralyzed. And so my mother has been a great, great companion to him over the past 34 years, and I thank her and honor her for that. And her love for the Lord is uh, so true, and she trained us in the ways of the Lord, and I thank God for that. Myself and all my siblings are in the ministry, and four of of my parents' grandchildren are in the ministry. So I thank God for what they have imparted into our lives, and I don't take that lightly. And uh, I congratulate and wish a happy Mother's Day to the mothers of my grandchildren, uh, Sister Marissa, my daughter Marissa, and Jesse, my daughter-in-law, and our wonderful seven grandchildren. And so I thank the Lord for them, that they have uh, given us uh, an extra joy in our lives. Um, I can't even express it to you exactly how much joy it brings. It's, it's a different joy even than children, because um, with grandkids, you can just kind of do whatever you want and then send them home. And uh, so that's the wonderful blessing of grandkids. And so I thank the Lord for that. And uh, last but not least, I thank the Lord for the mother of my children. And um, she has been an incredible wife and mother uh, for the past 34 years. And I thank the Lord on a daily basis for a godly, faithful, beautiful wife. And um, she loves her children and grandkids. Um, I'll just say as much as me, maybe a little more than me. I don't know. I can tell you that she loves the Lord with all her heart. And she's been a wonderful helpmeet for 34 years. And she's the first lady of this church and the first lady of our district. And we're going to ask her this morning to come and minister to you on this special day. So would you welcome uh, my wife, the first lady of this church this morning? And you were thinking, huh, I know a few of those are sounds a little bit like my family. 
But no, I want to talk about this functional family. We as God's people in the Bible, sometimes we are referred to as sheep, and God is our shepherd who guides us and protects us. Sometimes we are referred to as the body of Christ, and he is the head, and we are the body that we listen to what he directs us to do as our head. But I want to talk today about how in the Bible we are related to as the family of God, and he is our heavenly father. And he gives us his wisdom to direct us and guide us. And we are all different in the family. In a regular family, there's many different personalities, and it is that way in the family of God. We all come from different backgrounds, and we have different personalities. And you know, at first it may seem we don't have a lot in common. But then, when we think about it, we have the most important things in common. We have our faith in God. We have a desire to please our Heavenly Father. And we have our faith joining us by God's Spirit. So how can we make sure that this family is functioning properly? Functional. It means having a special purpose or a task designed to be useful. And I have some good news and some bad news today. So what do you want first? Let's do the bad news, because I'm not going to talk about it for very long. And we want to focus on the good news. So the bad news is that sometimes in the family of God, we act like teenagers. Now, we all know what a teenager is, someone between the ages of 13 and 19. But did you know that word did not always exist? You will not find the word teenager in the King James Version of the Bible, or probably any Bible, really. But it was first, the first documented use of the word teenager was in 1941 in a Reader's Digest issue. And I read this in a book called Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris. And some of the things they said in this book is that before people were categorized as teenagers, you were either a child or an adult. And more was expected of people at a younger age um, many years ago. And you may realize, you know, why was it that people, 14 and 15-year-olds, could do things and do them very well that 25-year-olds and 30-year-olds can't do at all now, right? And I was thinking about it. Um, my grandmother, and maybe your grandmother or your mother, she could bake bread for the whole family at the age of eight. And now we hardly trust an eight-year-old to butter their own slice of bread, right? <laughs> And we want to give them a plastic knife because we don't trust them with a real one. But that's how it is. So in this book, it said, in modern times, we make allowances for this age, allowing, encouraging, and even training them to remain childish longer than necessary. It holds people back from what we could do, from what God made us to do, and even from what we would want to do if we get out from under society's low expectations. So... A lot less is expected of teenagers. We have low expectations for them sometimes. We expect them to be moody. We expect them to be selfish. We expect them to be lazy. And we expect them to give us trouble. We'll say, oh, I got teenagers at my house now. That's what we expect. The world has low expectations. But yet, the world and industries in the world revolve around teenagers. Think about it. The music industry, 
the fast food industry, online shopping industry. Um, there's many things that uh, fashion industry, the movie industry, revolves around the consumer habits of teenagers. And so with all this um, attention focused on them, sometimes we think of teenage years as kind of a little vacation. Society doesn't expect much from, of anything from them, so let's just not do it, right? But you know that sometimes in the church family, we have to be careful not to act like teenagers. When I was growing up as a teenager, um, I didn't give a whole lot of thought about the fact that my father had to pay for the house that I lived in. I just expected that I would get to live there. I know none of you were like that. You were very mature and you thought of it every day. Thank you, Dad, for paying for this house, right? But as a teenager, we felt like we were entitled to just hide in our bedroom and only come out when we wanted something or we needed something. To come out and raid the refrigerator and eat food that we did not buy. And you're sitting there thinking, what in the world does this have to do with the family of God, right? Well, we don't only come to church to be fed. We come to be a blessing to one another. As part of the family of God, we do not want to act like teenagers, thinking that the church is here just for us when we need something. Give me what I want. It's all about me. Because in reality, teenagers can contribute a lot to their family, right? So in order for this functional family to be a properly functioning family, we cannot act like the church is just here for me to take and to take. So that's the bad news. That was easy, right? An easy fix. All we have to do is grow up, right? <laughs> and learn to contribute to the family. And I know we all do try to do that. So the good news, here's the good news. You are not an only child. Now, some of you in your earthly family, you may be like, I am an only child, and maybe you loved it. You love having all the attention. But I've heard so many people that were only an only child say, oh, it was so lonely. I, w I always wished I had siblings. And in the family of God, you are not an only child. Right. And Sister Carol Callahan inspired this. One day she was testifying, and she said, I'm so glad that I have the family of God because... I grew up as an only child, but I have brothers and sisters in the Lord. We don't have to do life alone. We have one another, and we can support one another. Um, our theme for this year is one. We are working together in one accord as one church for one mission. And when I was thinking about that theme, I kept noticing in the scripture the word one. And I also noticed that a lot of verses say one another. There's verses like, be ye kind one to another, in Ephesians 4, 32. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We have one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, loving one another, serving one another. And sometimes we're the one receiving, and sometimes we're the ones giving. And... Some of you may be at a place in your life where you think, I can't really give a lot of encouragement. I, am, I need encouragement right now. And giving love to someone, oh, I, I just need love 
so much myself right now. And there's a principle in the Bible that I've been thinking about lately. And it's in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give, it says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now I want to read it in the Living Bible. It makes it a little more clear. It says, For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. Now it sounds like if we want something or need something, we have to give. We have to give it first. If we need something or want something, we have to plant that seed so it can be replicated. So I think I, w I want to make sure that I'm doing that. You know, if you need kindness, we have to plant kindness. If we need mercy, we have to give mercy. Need forgiveness? Give forgiveness. We can liken it to a farmer. He's, he has 10-acre fields, and he wants a good crop. And every day he goes out and stands by that field, and he prays, Oh, Lord, give me a good crop. Lord, give me just the right amount of sunshine, the right amount of rain. And that sounds like a good thing to do, doesn't it? But what if he didn't bother to plant any seed in that field? We have to plant, we have to give what we need, and God will give us what we need. So if, um, there's a verse in Philippians 4 that many of us have quoted in our life, I'm sure. And we love it. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And through the years, I've read that verse but just recently, I started reading the verses previous to that one, and I noticed something. It says, Paul is thanking the Philippian church for helping him, for giving to him in his time when he was in need. And I just want to jump through a few of the verses ahead. In verse 17, he's saying, But though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me the happiest is the well-earned reward you will have because of your kindness. Verse 18, the gifts you sent... They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that pleases God well. But he will supply all your needs from his riches. So what he's saying is, you gave me gifts and it made me happy, but the thing that makes the most happy is what the reward you're going to get because of your kindness. And that what you are doing, your kindness to me, is a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God, and he's well-pleased with it. But, and that being the case, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. A biblical example of that is in 1 Kings, the widow of Zarephath. She was going to have her last meal. She had just enough uh, meal and enough oil to make a little cake for her and her son, and then they were going to die because there was no more food. There had been no rain in the land, and the crops could not grow. And the prophet Elijah comes to her house, and what does he ask her for? The thing she needed the most. He said, make a cake for me first. And she probably thought, I only have enough for one. That, and we're just scraping by. But she does what he asks because he told her, the Lord God of Israel says, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. 
So she did what he asked her to do, and her household had everything they needed until the rains came and the crops could grow again. She gave what she needed to someone, and God blessed her. How about a story in the New Testament? The story of how Jesus fed the 5,000. They'd been there a long time listening to Jesus, and Jesus said, does anyone have food? The disciples went looking. All they could find was one little boy with his lunch, and they asked him, can we have your lunch? And if you know little boys, he was hungry because little boys are hungry all the time, right? And he probably thought, oh, I might need this. But yet, he gave what he needed to Jesus, and Jesus blessed it. And that little boy got his belly full, plus leftovers, baskets full of leftovers. So if you have a need for something, give it away. It's love thy neighbor as thyself. So what are some of the things the Bible tells us we can do for one another so that this family will function properly? Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now this is really important. We show our love to God by how we love one another. The core of every family is love, right? And love is an action word. And love is a choice. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that ye love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. For by this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So some of the things that the Bible tells us we can do to show our love for God and to show our love for one another. So we are a functional family, fulfilling our purpose, being useful. Let's start with encouragement. We all are going to need encouragement at some point, and we're all going to have to give encouragement at some point. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 in the ESV says, Encourage one another and build up one another. To encourage someone. It means we come alongside them, we help them, we support them, we help them find strength. Because life is tough sometimes. Things don't always go the way we had planned, do they? Sometimes relationships are not exactly what we would wish for. Sometimes our health is not what we would want. Maybe money is tight. Well, if your problem is you have too much money, come talk to me. I'll help you. But that's usually not their problem, is it? Our problem is um, that we need more. So we need encouragement through life. We need people saying, you know, don't give up. You can make it. You can do it. Everything's going to be okay. God will look after you. It's just like a toddler when they're learning to walk. If they fall down, we don't say, oh, just stay there. Do we? We say, come on, get up. You can do it. And we help them until they learn how to walk on their own. So we encourage one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, I want to pull right from the middle of that verse. It says, comfort one another. We all have hurts in our life. We all have had loss in our life. And we need comfort. 
and we get to comfort one another. We tell each other, God sees you right now. He hears you. He's in control of your situation. We remind each other that there is hope. Just hold on to hope. We remind each other of God's goodness and God's power. We remind each other, God's word says this about your situation. Go to the word. You will, you will hear what God has to say. Have you ever had a time in your life where you're giving someone advice, trying to encourage them or comfort them, and you think, wow, that was really good advice. Have you ever had that happen? And then you think, maybe I should listen to my own advice. They say if you're in a situation, you think, stop and think, if somebody else was in this same situation and I was going to give them advice, what would I say? And that will help you get through it. So you can encourage yourself. The next is pray for one another. And I am very happy to know that I have people praying for me. And you have people in this family of God praying for you, people going to God on your behalf. How about bear ye one another's burdens, Galatians 6 and 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now in that verse, a burden is something that's too heavy to carry alone. And sometimes in life, we have things that just feel too heavy to carry alone. And if someone is struggling, they're trying to carry something that's too heavy, we can come alongside them and help lift that weight. Now, I'm not a weightlifter, but I know that there is the term of a spotter. If you're trying to lift heavy weights, someone's right there to help you when it, you can't lift it yourself. And so that's what we are for each other. We're there until we're strong enough to do it on our own. Um, verse 5 of that same chapter says, Every man shall bear his own burden. And it may sound contradictory. First it's saying, bear ye one another's burdens, and then it's saying, bear your own. But that's a different word. That burden means load. And it's kind of like your own backpack. And there are some things that we are responsible for ourselves that we can't expect other people to carry it for us. We have to be wise when we help each other not to neglect our own responsibilities, right? I've heard it said we are responsible to people, but we are not responsible for people. We all have our own responsibilities that no one else can handle for us. And we need to pray, God help us know when to step in and when to help somebody and how to help them because we would not want to neglect them. Another one that uh, the Bible talks about is being united with one another. Romans 15 verses 5 to 6 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, which is our theme verse for this year, be completely united with one thought and one purpose. When we are united, it pleases God. The enemy of our souls, Satan, he does not want us to be united. He wants to keep reminding us of our differences, and he does not want us to be united in purpose. He wants us to work against each other. He wants us to be jealous of one another, so jealous of somebody else's gifts that we won't even use our own for God. As children, 
When it was your sibling's birthday, when you were really small, you may have thought, well, why are they getting all the gifts, right? And maybe your parents bought you a little gift just to make you feel better. Parents do that nowadays. My mother never did that. I was like, it's not your birthday. <laughs> but when we get older, we realize, hey, it's not my birthday, but my birthday's coming, right? I will get gifts. I love watching kids at birthday parties. They get so excited. They're not going to even get to take those gifts home. I love it. They're, but they're so excited about the gifts that that child is getting. In her book, Warrior Princess, Melinda Poitras talks about how we, as the body of Christ, how we should react when good things happen to someone else. And she talks about when her sister got engaged and people were coming up to her and saying congratulations. She said, I love this, not because it's a beautiful picture of how I feel about my sister and the way they all know it, but because that's how it should be. She says, we are a body, one body. A win for one is a win for all of us. My feet are sitting here with me right now, and they are not jealous that my hands are typing. They know their place. They know the places they get to take me. A win is a win, period. Somebody gets assigned a solo, congratulations to me. Somebody gets a job promotion, congratulations to me. It's the body. Healthy is healthy. When God blesses others, I should be just as grateful for that as if he were blessing me. And unity, I've heard, is when unique individuals join together for one goal or one purpose. And our goal as the family of God is to please our Heavenly Father. Now, one year um, when our kids were young, our family was going on vacation and we had a plan. We were going to have a great time together. We were going to relax together. We were going to eat together. We were going to talk with one another. We were going to play together. But there was a division in the family. And I hope my daughters will forgive me. But it was when they were really young. They were preteen and early teen, and they've matured a lot since then. So, um, but. On this vacation, I was not feeling the unity that I had planned. They were really noticing each other's differences, and it was irritating them. And so they were just bickering a lot. And I said, oh, I can't have this. I don't know if they remember. But I said, you know what, girls, you're going to learn to get along. I said, you're going to sit here and talk it out until you figure it out. And I'm going in the bedroom, and I'm praying until you figure it out. And so I went in the room, and I started praying, and there was silence for quite a few minutes. And not so I just kept praying, and finally I heard the murmur of voices. And then eventually I heard laughter, and I said, ah, mission accomplished, unity. And the rest of our vacation went so much better. And as mothers... Some of our best memories are when our kids get along, right? And I know God is pleased when his children are working together in unity. Just like on the day of Pentecost, they were in one mind with one accord. And what happened? God poured out his spirit. And that's what God is doing in our church. Aren't you excited about what God is doing here at Mission Point? Amen. Be that's right. God has been working because we have been joining together in one accord in prayer. And 
as one church, and he is pouring out his spirit. And we have been joining together in one accord in worship. Ephesians 5, verses 18 and 19, I'm going to start partway through. It says, be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And you're thinking, we have to sing to each other? No, this is not going to be a musical or anything. We're not going to sing our conversations. <laughs> hello, hello, and how are you today? No, that's not what it's talking about. Not at all. But we are going to sing music created by God and created to worship him and to lift our spirits. And it says psalms and hymns. That's what we're to sing. And that is scripture or anything based on scripture. Spiritual songs, songs that talk about God and help us feel his, his spirit and his presence. Our songs should be based on the word of God. Because uh, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So our singing will communicate the truth about God. Our singing will communicate the gospel. Our singing will cause us to worship and will cause us to act on God's behalf. And when we sing like we mean it, it's a testimony. Some of you may have had a struggle in your life, and when someone else in the congregation looks over and sees you with your hand raised in the air, singing about the faithfulness of God, that's just like you're testifying. You're saying, I believe what I'm singing. I believe this about God. I believe that's what God's word says. So when we sing one to another, we're singing the truth about God. And next, we get to serve one another. Now, that's probably not always our favorite word, right? Galatians 5.13 says, For ye were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, he's saying don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So they used to have to go through ceremonies and rituals and offer sacrifice. And they didn't have to do that anymore because Jesus had come and was the great sacrifice that pushed away all sin, covered all sin. And they're saying hey, you don't have to do those things anymore, but that doesn't mean you just sit around and enjoy your salvation. You have to serve one another. We have to help one another. Any of you uh, remember the days of full-service gas stations? They're very rare to find now. But back then, they would fill your tank, they would wash your windshield, maybe even wash your, your headlights, and the really nice ones, they would even put your windshield washer in for you. Full-service gas stations. They wanted the customer to know they were important, right? And that's what we all want. We all want to feel important. We all want to feel like we're significant, that we're special. And I love to be served. When my husband serves me, I love it. Sometimes he cooks supper for me, and I love it. Because we like to be served, because it makes us feel special. Well, Jesus said this, it this way in Mark 10, 43, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. So serving in the family of God means we act on one another's behalf. We focus on each other. 
we try to do what is best for the interest of others. We have to humble ourselves, and we try to help each other so that they can improve spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, or in their circumstances. Ephesians 2 says we were created for good works. God had a plan for good works that he wanted us to do. And you may think, well, at the age I'm at in life, or the stage I'm at in life, there's not much I can do. But I guarantee you there is something you can contribute to the family of God. Some of you have the gift of hospitality, and you, take, you bring people to your home and feed them. Or maybe some of you cook something for someone when they're sick. Or maybe it's a phone call. Or maybe for some of you, you're looking after the grandkids so your kids can be part of ministry in the church. These are all things we do to help one another. We serve one another. And, you know, I don't want to be that sibling that just lays around and says, oh, can you get me that? Can you get me with that over there? We're just sitting on the couch eating potato chips and saying, oh, you do that for me. We don't want to be that sibling in the family of God, right? We want to say, God, how can I serve? What can I do to help others? And it's going to be different for each of us. And the key is not to look at it as an inconvenience, but as a, a privilege, a blessing. Um, one thing we can do here at Mission Point with all of our daughter works, that's some, a way we can serve. And you may think, well, I don't preach. I don't play an instrument. But that doesn't matter. We can go there. Um, Brother Beckerton was talking about it this week, that when somebody comes to the daughter works, and they're just there to be an example in how to worship God, the biblical way to worship, just to sing, to lift their voice and praise how much of a help it is in the daughter works. And that's something we all can do. So we can serve in that way, encouraging other people. And you know what we are doing? We are helping each other be ready for that day when they see the Savior face to face. We want to help each other. And we are so blessed to be part of this family, this family of God. And you know, in this family, you're needed and you are wanted. And you definitely can contribute in a positive way. So that was the good news. You are not an only child. We do have each other. But I want to save the best news for the last. And the best news is in this family, we have a heavenly father. And he is a father who loves us. He is a God who understands us. He created us so he understands us when nobody else does. He's a God that when he knows everything about us, yet he loves us. He knows every fault, every failure, and he still loves us. Did you know that you are his favorite? I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. When I was a kid, I thought I was my grandfather's favorite. Well, I was. I was, really. Just admit it. But my cousins may not agree. But you know why I thought I was his favorite? Because when I went to see him, he was so happy that I came. And he always thought good things about me. He thought I was so smart. He thought I was so funny. And you know, God thinks great things about you. And he's always happy to see you. And you know, this Heavenly Father, He is not asking us to do anything that He hasn't already done and that He isn't already still doing. 
Just think about it. He wants us to love one another. He loved us so much that he came to earth and died for us. He carried our horrible, filthy sins to the cross for us. Encourage, comfort, oh, he definitely encourages us. And he is our comforter. You know, we live in a culture that is looking for comfort. You hear the talk about it. Comfort food, comfort animal, comfort stuffy. Everyone wants a big comforter. There's comfort music. We want comfortable clothes. And since the pandemic, we're really thinking about a comfortable home. But he is better than comfort food and comfort animals and comfortable music and a comfortable home and comfort music. He is our comfort. He is the one who comes alongside us to help us. He is the one who helps us overcome our loneliness because he never leaves us. John 14 and 18, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. An interaction with him will lessen our anxiety. It will lessen our stress levels. He is the one who consoles us, refreshes us. He is the one who fills us and guides us. And he is the one who wraps us in his love. And he has given us his word to comfort us. Romans 15 and 4 says that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Time in his presence will comfort us. Time in his word will comfort us. And we're to bear one another's burdens. Did he bear our burdens? Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53. Griefs. Anxiety, sickness, or grief. He has borne that for us. 1 Peter 2 and 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. He bare our sins, and that burden was definitely too heavy for us to carry alone. Sing to one another. Does God sing? Zephaniah 3.17. When we think about it, the one God that we serve gives us a reason to sing. But does he sing? It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And just picture this. You picture a loving parent holding their child. They are rejoicing over you with gladness. They were quieting you with their love and exalting you over you with loud singing. When we seek him, when we follow after him and trust him, that makes our God rejoice with gladness. And he serves us. Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. It says he made himself of no reputation. And in the Greek, that means he emptied himself. 
He gave up his status by taking on the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. The king of kings, the king of glory, put on the attire of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, he, put on, he took on the look of a man. And can you imagine a king putting on that attire of a servant? And we know what happened to him as he came to earth, how he was whipped and he was spit on and he was mocked and he was crucified. But he humbled himself, put himself in the position to die for us. The sinless one agreeing to die for our sins. His love is what caused him to take on the form of a servant. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He became poor so that we could have the riches of salvation. And after all that our Heavenly Father has done for us, I know we can help one another to serve him. And our relationship with our Father is better when we are treating each other the way he wants us to treat each other. In this functional family, we want a healthy family that's fulfilling its purpose. And these verses kind of sum it all up. 1 Peter 4, verses 8 to 11 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one that serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So it's saying we need to use the gifts that God has given us to serve one another. Make sure the words that we speak to each other would be what God would want us to say. And use the strength that God has given us to serve one another. And why do we do all that? in honor that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And I pray that the way I live and the way I love will give glory to God. If Andrea could come to the keyboard, I just want us to take a few moments just to talk to God. We can take some time to thank him, Say, thank you, God, that you were all these things for me. You were my comforter. You are my comforter. You are my encourager. You, you have served me. You have carried my burdens. And we can also pray, God, how can I help this family? How can I help your family grow to be healthy? Lord, I want to be part of this functional family. And some of you, you may say, well, I don't, I'm not really part of the family of God. But, you know, he wants you to be. He wants you to accept him as your heavenly father so that he can look out for you. Just like that verse in Zephaniah says, he wants to be your God. And the Lord, your God, is in your midst. And he is mighty to save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. 
and he wants to sing over you with loud singing. So let's take this time and come, just take a little time to ask God what you can do and to thank him for what he has done. In this functional family, we are blessed to be part of this family. Let's all stand this morning. There's a lot of information that you just heard. We are part of one body. The Bible says we are fitly framed together. So I just want us to take this. I want us to take this time. I know we're only, we're having one service today. And so I would encourage you to take a few moments right now and come to the altar, find an altar where you're sitting, whatever the case is, and thank God that you are part of the family of God. If you are not part of the family of God, then today's a good day to do that. Today's a great day to become part of it. Let yourself be brought into this incredible functional family that has uniqueness, but God our Heavenly Father is the head. Would you do that right now? Would you open up and come, amen, and fill this altar right now with, with uh, just praise and worship, thanking God for what you're part of and that you're part of the church. Uh, hallelujah, the church of the living God. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.